You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. I'm your host, Solus, and I wanted to wish everybody a happy Luminalia, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all of the other uh, things that you're celebrating with you and your family and loved ones in this month of December. Welcome in. Uh, on today's episode, we are covering um, not as much as we normally do. It's kind of an off week. Obviously, we're getting into the holidays in a new year, um, but we will go into some of the community polls uh, that we asked on Spotify and on X. We'll go through this week in Star Citizen. Uh, wrapping up Luminalia, the actual event itself. That's why we're recording so late on a Friday morning. We wanted to see what that 12th day was from the advent calendar. Um, We'll get into the latest from the Alpha 322 patch update that hit us uh, this last week into Jumptown 2.1, which information just dropped literally five, ten minutes ago. So we'll go through the new location, the times, the rotation, what that looks like, and we'll end with the Galactopedia update where everybody gets to make fun of how I try to pronounce Xi'an language. But first, we're going to get into a little bit of drama. The subject for this week, I think, um, the monologue, which I guess this podcast in and of itself is a monologue, but my monologue getting into leaks and how we should think and approach leaks either from development or from the community. All right. So a lot to discuss, a lot of deep conversations, but first a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. All right, let's let's get into this. I'm going to share my screen so you can read the Twitter post or the X post yourself. Uh, but we're going to get into the conversation about leaks, how we personally feel about it, um, some responses from Jake Bradley or Jake Acapella. Um, and then I would love to hear what your thoughts are, obviously, in the Spotify Q&A comment section. However, um, it'll be interesting to see how how the community reacts to this. Let's get into it. So, I don't know. Um, December 19th, there's an individual that posted this uh, that you're seeing on this screen, but it reads, Creators, if you're sharing the leaks, expect your relationships with companies and brands to go away. Personally, I'm going to make a list of and block folks who share them. Cheers. And they went on to add, adding, it also hurts your fellow creators even those that aren't sharing them. Why? Creators will be deemed a risk with that things like early access, previews, etc. go out the door. My job now becomes fighting to have creators represented in marketing discussions. So let's back out. The only reason why I saw this is because Jake Bradley shared it. Um, and he just simply says this, 100%, leaks only hurt the dev teams. 
There's a long spirited discussion um, on this thread. It had 14.4 thousand views. Uh, you can see Detox responding and Jake Bradley responds to some of Detox and it's it's a back and forth, right? So jumping in, um, there were posts from Galactica. There were posts from Tyler Whitkin. Um, I don't see them easily accessible, so I'm not gonna like paraphrase. Um, but essentially, Jake, gets into the response of data mining isn't what they're referring to, um, is reference to a massive leak that Insomniac is dealing with. Um, so let me let me just back out one more time. So he ends up locking the thread um, and rephrases some of the, the narrative, says if, if things leak from a game company, everyone is fully in their right to share it and talk about it and use it in their content. It is also fully in the right of the company affected to not work with the people who do so. So, all right, so I, I would love to respond to this. No one asked, um, not even sure it's necessary because we have always maintained the same posture at Beyond the Verse. So here's, here's the deal. Um, leaks have their place in society. They do. If you want to go all the way to politics and you want to look at, you know, um, revealing corruption or... Um, you know, revealing some sort of bad actors. You know, we've we've thrived as, and this is like America. This is global. Um, sometimes leaks, and sometimes um, that information is dropped strategically in order to reveal something. Right. So, like leaks, leaks inherently aren't necessarily evil. However, the other side of that coin is leaks are also used to sabotage. Uh, you leak information in order to reveal strategy, in order to destroy one's credit. Um, and so, I don't know. Um, it's hard to kind of phrase leaks in one, one general idea, um, both good and bad. Now, let's, let's go away from politics, kind of the macro picture. Let's look at the video gaming industry. Leaks are also sexy, Right? Like content creators fight to be the first to release information, to reveal a new ship or um, a new game loop that's that's going to be announced. And really it's for likes and attention, right? Content creators who are trying to make this their living um, or they get that dopamine hit uh, when they get that extra follower, um, they kind of pursue this behavior. And it's not, again, it's not necessarily bad. It's kind of fun, like data mining and discovering that there's a, a heavy fighter coming from the Mirai series, uh, you know, potentially. I'm not saying that that's happening, but that was some of, you know, the speculation this past week. It's all fun and games. Cool. Let's let's speculate let's have that conversation let's like share what we think that that ship looks like it drives dialogue it drives passion and engagement but there's a difference i think there is a pure difference in, in what we're talking about here like the example being a disgruntled employee who has left a, a, a studio and on their way out they drop this massive um leak and so that happens, unfortunately, quite a lot. As a content creator, if you know that this is coming from a bad place, you know that it was not in the developer's uh, intent you know, to release this, 
this is where Jake Bradley comes in. This is where his response, um, I think, is extremely applicable, right? Like, you should know better. As a quote-unquote professional entertainer, you should know better before retweeting and adding noise or adding fuel to that fire. Um, at Beyond the Verse podcast, we we don't, we don't leak. We don't really, I would say we don't speculate. We absolutely speculate. We speculate the hell out of, out of like when release dates are going to, you know, happen. Like we know Squadron 42 isn't, you know, it was coming out next year. We know Pyro is coming out, but you know, before the summer, um, like these are things that we want to speculate and kind of celebrate. Um, but we will not share third party information. That's just not something we will ever do. That's why with our podcast, you will always get straight from the RSI website. We might be second or third to some major release, but I'm okay with that. I am very successful in my nine to five. I love my job working at Amazon. Um, I don't need to be doing this. I want to be doing this. This is a passion of mine. And clearly y'all are, y'all are eating this up. Y'all are loving what we're putting down. Um, the sole provision organization is growing. Um, I, I love being this liaison between the game and the community. And so I think this is a good segue out of this conversation. <laughs> um, it, it was discussed. It was a major, I think, talking point this past week. I wanted to at least get it down officially on Twitter. A couple days ago, I posted, and I wanted to officially get it recorded in my voice <laughs> that this is 100% why you will only get RSI website information from us. So thought it was a great dialogue. With that, let's get into some of the positive sides of the community this past week. Um, let's get into that conversation. Incoming message. Okay. Um, at the end of every single episode, I say this almost every episode. At the end of every episode, I do post a question and a poll on Spotify. So the first things we discuss is last week's episode. We asked the question, we'd love to hear your reactions to this Inside Star Citizen and the forecast of H1 2024 content. Any and all reactions are welcome. If y'all remember, last week's Inside Star Citizen was amazing. Uh, Jared announced a lot of things for us to get excited about between now and, and just the summer, right? In just the next six months, what we can be excited for. We didn't even talk about the second half when Squadron 42 releases. <laughs> um, but here we go. Let's, let's go to the poll. Uh, the first one comes from a Dakota Riley quote. I am excited for all the new features coming, especially the character creator and star map. I'm going to meet you halfway, Dakota. Uh, the character creator, awesome. I, unfortunately, I think the character creator is like one and done. I think once you spend three hours creating your character, which is going to be amazing, I'm not taking away from that addition at all whatsoever. But I think like once you're satisfied with your character and you hit, you know, enter, enter game, um, that's it. Like there's not unless you create a new character or, or they do a mass, you know, uh, long time persistence, you know, reset. You're not really going to come back to the character creator. But I am also with you like it's going to be exciting to get in there with the beards and all the different highlights and tattoos. That's going to be a lot of fun to get into for the character creation. So I got you there. Um, but I do agree with you 100 percent on the star map. First off, the star map needs a lot of love. 
a lot of love. That's there's nothing new. We had an org night last night, um, which by the way, pause. We have a bonus episode on our Beyond the Verse podcast. For the first time ever, we took the audio of last night's Org Night, and it's available as ON, so Org Night, ON01, and it's Org Night Exploration, where we went to Microtech and explored you know, these, these new derelict sites that have star map locations. So there's only three of them. Um, but I say this because just moving from Port Tressler to one of those three locations, it's a pain in the ass. It's absolutely a pain in the ass. Um, trying to click through and, and orient the 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 Microtech planet to where you can see the right side and, and try to find there's no search capability. Like that needs a complete overhaul. It's awesome with what they do have. It can be even better. And what we saw showcased in CitizenCon is exactly what we're hoping to see, right? So. It can't happen fast enough. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Joe says it's hard to believe all that content will be coming next year. Uh, hopefully, I, I think that's fair. Um, the conversation we had with Galactica, what, episode 35, I think, um, when we had a conversation with Galactica, she kind of echoed the sentiment that we probably won't see base building. But everything else is like fair game. So the distribution centers, the cargo elevators, the instance uh, hangers, right? The persistent hangers, whatever we're wanting to call them nowadays. Um, that's all going to be very, very exciting. Um, and I honestly think it's going to happen. Some of it's already created. We saw it demoed for Squadron 42. So these, you know, the user interface overhaul, um, the land navigation, the star map navigation, all of that is already live for Squadron 42. So really just applying that over to the persistent universe, it should be a pretty easy step beyond just, you know, polishing and making sure that it's, uh, you know, it's a one-on-one -one swap. So I think it is going to come, um, except for base building. I think we'll get a good start at it. I just don't think we're going to see it this time next year. So last comment, uh, a Dustin Thames says excited for persistent hangers in the distribution centers. Hashtag space trucker. Uh, absolutely. Enter our organization's sole provision. We are a trade and transport organization. That is our charter, right? Our manifesto. Um, those, and I have said this so many times now, uh, but that game loop of trade and transport is going to require literally every game loop. Every game loop you can possibly imagine is going to be needed to support those missions. So I'm very excited to see where org tools and resources goes. Uh, as a CEO of Soul Provision, like I want all the tools. <laughs> I, I need resources because right now, you don't really need an organization. You just need a Discord, right? You need some sort of social platform to get a group of, I don't know, eight to 10 individuals together. Uh, there's not a real need for an organization or another game's called a guild inside of Star Citizen in this current moment. I would love to see that change. I would love to be able to create like a logo that goes on ships, a, a, a badge, you know, that goes on the shoulder of armor. Um, I think all that would be absolutely amazing to incorporate um, beyond just, you know, the tools outside of the game. So that was the 
uh, Q&A that we asked, and then we asked a poll. Um, and this went the complete opposite direction of what I thought it was going to do. So the question we asked for the poll is, what is your favorite ship release in patch 322? So the ships that were released was the Santok Yai, the 3X1 series, and the Cutter Rambler. And I, if you've been listening, you kind of know where this conversation is about to go. So coming in at first place with 46.2% of the vote, <sighs> y'all chose the Cutter Rambler. <laughs> 38.5% chose the X1 series and 15.4% chose the Santok Yai. All right, guys. Um, quickly, 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 quickly. A couple days ago on X Twitter, I'm going to start calling it X. So, all right. So, a couple days ago on X, I, I made the commitment that between then and the end of the year, I will only fly the Cutter Rambler uh, when I'm not doing Org Nights. It's, it's going to be 100% of what I fly because I wanted to give it a fair chance. I want, I guess it's still going. So I want to give it a fair chance. I want to see what all the fuss is about. Um, again, I, it's a very popular ship, clearly, right? Clearly it's, it's, it's doing well. I just could not understand the why. So I recently made that commitment. I only have flown the Cutter Rambler for the last, you know, several days and will for the next couple of days. And I'm not going to lie. Um, it has grown on me. It has, it, it's grown on me. So there's a lot that you can do in such a little space. Uh, it is a small, small ship, but it has what you need. It's got a, a garage. Um, you know, I think you can put an X1 bike in the back of your cutter. So it's got this garage. It's got a bed to bed log, um, a seat and a table. If you had that role play element, um, it is a camper. It is exactly what I hate about it, right? And 100% of it. But for what you need to do as a solo player, it gets you in and out. I, I cannot take that away from the Cutter Rambler. Um, it's an expedition model, so you can go further and faster. That's 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 great. It's got great paint. Uh, if you get the concierge version of the Rambler, it comes with uh, kind of a tan, a tan and like a light brown, dark brown color scheme. It's it's actually it's actually well done. I'm not hating my time <laughs> flying around in this damn ship. Um, Will I keep it after the first of the year? I, I don't know. So I've spent real money to fly the Cutter Rambler, and I have always taken the approach, like, use real money on the more expensive ships because you either A, can't get them in the game, or B, it's going to take you forever to get those in the game. So save up your money, get that, you know, those five or ten ships um, that are going to be like your core fleet, and then wait until you're in the game to purchase like a Cutter Rambler with the UEC currency. My two cents. So I will more than likely melt this because it has LTI, lifetime insurance. I will more than likely melt this and go for, you know, exchange it for a more expensive ship at some point. But that doesn't mean that it, it, it didn't, it didn't um, grow on me. So I don't know. I will give it like a three out of 10. <laughs> 
as opposed to like a negative one out of 10. Um, but who knows, maybe in the next couple of days, it'll, it'll grow even more for me. All right, let's keep going. Um, I, I love I love this conversation about polls because it brings the community into the conversation. And quite honestly, that's like 90% of what this podcast is. So it's about you. It's about you, the community, what we're growing together. All right. I asked a question. Um, this is back on December 17th about holiday starter packs. So again, with Luminalia, you scroll down three-fourths of the page. You're going to see these specials, right? The specials that are going on. And they are the Aurora MR, the Mustang Alpha, the Cutter, 100i, Avenger, Titan, and Nomad. And so I asked a question you can see on the screen right now. I mean, 2.8K views. So I got quite a lot of attention, engagements, uh, the votes, 339 votes for this. So the holiday starter packs, which would you recommend for new players and why? X only allows four choices, so I eliminated the first two. So the Aurora MR and the Mustang Alpha, I took those off. So for Luminalia, CIGS put special pricing together for the, and then I listed all six. But the poll, I put the Cutter, the 100i, the Avenger Titan, and the Nomad. Shocker, the Cutter won again. <laughs> like I said, it's a very, very popular ship. Um, the Cutter won at 40.1% of the vote, and then the Avenger Titan at 39.2% of the vote, and then it just fell off. Right? So the Nomad at 15%, and the 100i at 5.6%. So this is interesting to me, not like in a shocker, you know, I didn't expect it to happen this way. Um, but the Nomad for me was always, it's always what I recommend for somebody, right? It's got a vehicle garage. You can put boxes on it. It hovers, so it's unique. Um, Consolidated Outlander has an alien flair to it. It's got some great paint. The inside looks sleek. It looks really well done. Um, it looks like something you would see off of Star Wars, Star Trek, The Expanse. So the Nomad, I, I think, is I think is solid. Um, and I would always recommend the Nomad. Now, that's, of course, the more expensive expensive starter that's a shocker right solace gets the more expensive starter ship um that's my own problem to work through but um then i expect the titan to be second um or, or, or at least tied with a nomad because a titan is basically the nomad and we talked about this in the last episode it's basically the nomad just i don't know humanized Right? So what you would expect to see a current day, I don't know, space capable ship, it's what you're getting the Invigor Titan. Um, it's, a, it's a community favorite. We're always talking about the Titan. We're always super excited about um, the paint jobs that come out for it. Um, but yeah, the Cutter the cutter one for all the reasons we talked about with the Rambler. And then the 100i, poor dude. I mean, that <laughs> the 100i got like zero, zero love. Uh, and that's fine. Like Origin, I would never recommend an Origin for a starter ship. Like it really doesn't start making its value proposition until the 300 series. Right, 325 Alpha is a phenomenal fighter. Right, the 400i is a great Pathfinder, quote unquote, or luxury yacht. Uh, but the 600i is phenomenal. Can't wait for the rework. Cannot wait for the medical bay and all the things they're doing with it. Uh, 890 Jump is a sexy you know, whatever you want to call it, luxury cruise liner. Um, it's slow as heck, kind of makes it uncomfortable to fly solo or even with like two or three people. But once you kit out or you fully staff the 890 Jump, that is a sick, sick ship you can do really anything with. Um, all right. 
I digress, but the origin is not uh, a good a good starter ship in my opinion. Let's move on to the next poll. All right, this this one is really exciting. Going back to sharing my screen, um, this one has like quite quite a longer story to it. So really quickly, I asked your preferred Star Citizen joysticks. So we're having an amazing discussion in the Soul Provision uh, Discord on preferred joysticks. Figured I'd bring it here for your vote. Tell us why you chose your vote in the comments below. And so the three that I put down are number one, the VKB Gladiator NXT Evos. Number two, the Verpal Constellation Alpha Primes. And number three, the Thrustmaster T16 billion or however many zeros you want to put after that, M. And the conversation was actually really awesome in Discord. In our Discord, we have like a frequently asked questions and I put my recommendations. So things I've actually physically done and I can like swear by, put my name behind. Um, I have flown with the VKB Gladiators. Those are a phenomenal build. It's super smooth. I love everything about it. I have not had the capability or opportunity to fly with the Verbal Constellation Alpha Primes or Thrustmaster T16000. So I asked the question, the votes came in, and there's kind of a neat little next story. So at 57.8%, the VKB Gladiators won out. That might be a price competitive um, edge, which we can talk about here in a second. But I mean, 57.8% out of 187 votes. It's pretty legit. Uh, next, and it went in order. So next, the Verbal Constellation, that's a 19.3%. Thrustmaster, the T16000s at 11.8%. And then for other, comment below, 11.2%. And that was basically other versions of Thrustmaster, like the Warthogs. Um, there's a couple of others that were dropped in there as well, which is perfectly fine. Um, I just, I chose those three because that's the more common. I think it's the most that are brought up and the most reviewed uh, on social media and YouTube. So here's the cool part about this conversation though. Um, I had pinged the uh, official accounts of Verpal and Thrustmaster in one of my responses. Like, I would love to give these a test. I would love to demo these um, at some point on the podcast for production purposes. And both of them sent me a direct message uh, with the, if the contact information for their influencer programs. There's a high, high chance I'll be able to demo these and have a full-out narrative on the podcast on my uh, reactions to the verbal constellations and the Thrustmaster. So our verbal, whichever one they're going to send me, the verbal and the Thrustmaster options. So I'm super excited about that. Looking forward to creating that content. And honestly, for any other, um, for any other brand that would love to work with Beyond the Verse podcast and the Soul Provision organization, uh, it's solus at beyondtheversehq.com or contact at beyondtheversehq.com. Love, love, love to be part of that. All right, let's 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 keep going. Here we go. So this week in Star Citizen, we're finally into new content. So let's get into this. Share my screen. Happy Monday, everyone. I love reading that on a Friday. <laughs> Happy Monday, everyone. Alpha 322 Rex and Riches went live on the PU servers last week, bringing with it structural salvage, new character hairstyles, personal cargo containers to put your bits and bobs in, another massive update to Arena Commander, all new derelict settlements to explore, and more, just in time for the holidays. 
On the subject of holidays, the Luminalia festivities are in full swing. Luminalia is an annual holiday celebrated by the Banu and humanity alike on December 22nd, and we're counting down the days with gifts in the verse and two contests with chances for you to win some treats. Claim your daily goodies from the Luminalia calendar, showcase your creativity and spread some holiday cheer in our action-packed greeting card contest, or die hard in Arena Commander. Great pool. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Fight me on that. Back to the article. Go up against the other citizens and CIG staff to claim your spot in the top three on the winning side. Um, in the top three on the winning side and in Origin X1 Force if you're successful. Also, if you're in the mood for a seasonal sleigh ride, you can look forward to some holiday hijinks with the Jump Town Global Vent kicking off on December 22nd, which again, we will go through the new article, read everything in a couple of minutes. Because again, that dropped like just a couple of minutes before we went on air. Back to the article. And as celebrations are always better when shared with your close ones, there's a referral bonus activated from now through January 8th so that you and the players you refer can greet the challenges in the new year appropriately suited up. Lastly, thanks to everyone who stopped by the Intel Star Citizen booth at DreamHack Atlanta. By the way, if you don't follow DePoets, go follow DePoets. Uh, he was a major player in, um, in that uh, event. Uh, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of social media uh, from him and his his influencer status there at the event. So go check out the poets back to the article. We had a blast getting to chat with you all over the weekend. Now let's see what's going on this week. Scrolling down to the actual schedule on Monday. We had this weekend, star citizen Luminalia day eight Tuesday, lore post Galactopedia update. We will end today's episode going over the Galactopedia update Wednesday, nothing Thursday, nothing Friday. So today we purposefully waited pretty late to start this episode because we wanted to see what the 12th item was. We wanted to see Jump Town. We also wanted to see the Jump Point, but I have no idea when that's going to come out. And I didn't want to wait too late, right? Because the whole point was getting this episode in your hands before you go and travel uh, during the December holidays. So unfortunately, we don't have a Jump Point to go over on this episode. Maybe at the end of the Galactopedia, I'll check real quick. <laughs> Do some uh, improv if if, uh, if it gets released. But as of this current moment, Jump Town, or Jump Point, excuse me, has not been released yet. So there you go. All right. Happy Luminalia. So today is the official Luminalia, December 22nd, right? So all cross lore, the body and the humans um, celebrate this, this festival of lights, right? Luminalia. Um, this is really funny. So, so by the way, I would love to know from my listeners, I guess the adults, the, the parents that are listening, how many of y'all just like don't wait until Christmas to give gifts? Right, like, like my wife and I suck at this. Like, we have already opened up two of our gifts to each other, uh, two of them a piece. <laughs> like, we we are horrible at waiting until December twenty fifth uh, to exchange gifts. But I would love to hear what you get, what you give, um, based around Star Citizen. If you get those joysticks, I would love for you to post those tag us in there so we can celebrate with you uh, the toby eye tracker like there's so much gaming chairs right there's so much to get excited about around this time for gift giving and gift receiving of course uh, but what was really cool about today we did get uh, a post a spectrum post from Frasia. 
one of the community uh, one of the community managers from Cloud Imperium Games, um, and but but it's it's unfortunately like hidden in Spectrum. So I went ahead and took it created a, a post on Twitter for it uh, to make sure we like get the conversation out there. Um, but here we go. Like I'm going to share my screen. This is a really awesome message from Frasia and those at CIG. So here we go. Quote, as we light the ceremonial lamps of Luminalia and reflect on the year that has gone by, the CIG team would like to extend our heartfelt thanks to you, our amazing community. Your unwavering support, creativity, and boundless enthusiasm have made 2953 truly special. Amidst the snowy landscapes of microtech or sunny adventures on Daymar, your contributions, be it fan fiction, art, streams, or guides, have added an extra layer of magic to our verse. We are also incredibly honored to have caught you on the trails at the Bar Citizen events. Thank you for your warm hospitality and the unforgettable moments. We wish you all the joy and excitement of the season, and here's to more shared adventures in the upcoming year. We can't wait to continue on this fantastic journey with you. You are the incredible force that helps shape our verse. One solely, one universe, one community. Happy Luminalia from all of us at Cloud Imperium games here is your maybe monthly reminder that the employees at cig are freaking humans too right it is so easy it is so easy for us to get into this transactional i'm going to call it relationship i guess whatever you want to call it but it's such a transactional interaction on social media Hey, where is my ship? You guys suck. Why am I glitching through a planet? You guys suck. CIG sucks. Where is my pyro access? Why isn't 4.0 released? It's this just constant, right? This constant badgering. And I get it. We have all pitched in money to help support this project. I, I'm right there with you. Trust me. <laughs> there are moments that me and my org, uh, we have venting sessions. And that's fine. It, you need to. It's healthy. But there is a human on the other side of that screen that is just absorbing that energy and I and I say that as not a touchy-feely kind of person uh, that's not who I am um, it's not but even in my darkest moments and I'll be it like military or whatever like even in those moments there is a, a a little little ounce of of humanity that needs to always be there and the reason why I'm going down on this like soapbox, right? The reason why I'm, I'm, I'm going this route with this reaction is like, man, they didn't have to write this. They didn't have to come out and say, look, thank you. Thank you for being salty and hating our project. Thank you for never saying positive things about, you know, the small back end behind the scenes, you know, advancements. I know you didn't get your Idris or your Javelin this year, but you know, you got hair, but like, I don't know, you didn't. You didn't say thank you, right? But like, you see where I'm going with this? I just would love in the next couple of days, if it is on your heart, or if you have in your own way, a method of saying thank you, CIG has done so much for us this year. So much for us. And I'm telling you right now, there's a group of, there's a group of us in Soul Provision 
that are going through some shit. There is some dark, dark things happening. And yet we are able to come together and play an 11 year alpha and have the time of our lives. If you don't believe me, go check out that bonus episode from Org Night last night. It's two hours of just pure, pure fun, right? Thank you so much, CIG. Thank you, Frasia, for your sentiment in sending out this message. Don't want to harp on it too much longer. I just, I think it's important. <laughs> Back to Luminalia. Here we go. All right, so in the spirit of the uh, YouTube thumbnail that we're using for this podcast, um, you're going to see all 12 items. I would love, and of course, I, have to guess, I guess I have to click all of them. Here we go. Uh, let's go through all 12 items from the advent calendar and just kind of celebrate where we've been. Um, I don't remember where we left off after last episode. Uh, so let's just go through all of them again. So day one. So these are in order. Day one. So the cutter. Got the ice break and the deck the hole paint. I'm doing this by memory, by the way. So better see some kudos when I'm done with this. So the cutter got ice break and deck the hole paint. Day number two, that Pico sweater. I'm telling you, that needs to that needs to be produced in real life. Day three uh, was the free, not freelancer. Uh, this is the prospector, same paint, the ice break and the deck, the hole. Then you got a Banu coffee mug. Then you've got the vulture ice break and deck the hole paint. Then you got a jar of cookies. Yeah, I mean, it's literally an FPS item you put in your hanger. It's a jar of cookies, pretty cool. Why not? Then you've got the freelancer paint, the ice break and the deck, the hole. Then you've got uh, a couple of light machine guns. So this first light machine gun is a like, it's basically the best in show paint scheme. So the dark purple, the light pink, um, I think I think it looks awesome. I think it looks pretty slick. Um, and then you've got an, another sweater that I would wear. Um, it's, it's actually really funny. It, it says, quote, like no hard feelings. Uh, and it's basically, I guess, nine tails. It's a nine tails feeling avatar holding a present really hilarious again i would totally buy that and wear that the next item another light machine gun this is more like christmasy colors it's red green uh the color scheme then you got a stick of light <laughs> like it almost um i guess it's like a kim like a kim light that you already have in the game but this kim light is like it's red and green i don't know if you get both though maybe it maybe it flickers I don't know. I have not taken this out and used it, but it's one of those cam lights you can put on your uniform. And then last, today, uh, an hour and eight minutes ago, we got ourselves a sniper rifle paint, which is sick. It's like a light blue. It's like the ice break paint, but for your sniper rifle. It's like a light blue and white. It looks amazing. And we got a sizzy knife. So... I, I can't really explain the knife. It's a curved knife, but I don't really see like a color scheme to it. Uh, but it's a really beautiful looking knife that I think would look sick on like the front of your uniform, right? And I say uniform because we just had a massive like soul provision conversation about uniforms. So excuse me, your armor, um, it would look really good. So there you have it, the 12 days of Luminalia. Um, compared to last year, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's one and the same. Um, I feel like we got more weaponry, maybe, last year. It feels like we got more weaponry last year. But this year, we've got some really, really, really awesome, like, sweaters. 
I would say the weaponry we did get uh, were, were great. Were great additions to the, the game. I'm overall happy. I think Luminalia was uh, a success this year. I'm happy with all 12 of these items. So go have fun and they're all free every single one of these Here, here's another here's another reach reach for uh you know for, for cig here every single one of these items had to be created they had to be designed um they had to be rendered they had to go through visual passes and level of detail passes they had to go through all of it and it's free for you it's a lot of work for a free item just remember that when you're like, oh, I don't, what am I going to do with this coffee mug? I don't know what the hell you're going to do with a coffee mug. I don't know, but it was free. <laughs> so have fun with it. Do whatever the heck you want to do with it. Moving on, guys, moving on. Here we go. So quickly, this is not worth a segment, but we did have an update to patch 322. Um, again, I don't, I don't think we need to go through line by line, but it did fix a lot of issues. Um, let's just go through the bug fixes it did. So if you haven't been in the game for a week, this is what you can expect when you do another character reset. So if you haven't updated, it is going to ask you to pick your residence again. It is going to have you recreate your character again. But it does fix an issue causing large performance drops when approaching uh, the new derelict settlements. It fixed an issue causing missiles, bombs, and torpedoes to disappear immediately after traveling a short distance from the player. Okay. Fixed an issue causing the Santok Yai landing gear to partially clip into the ground and cause issues when spawned. Yes, this happened to me so many times when I tried to fly the Santakiai. Fixed multiple performance issues occurring while using tractor beams. Fixed an issue causing Arena Commander leaderboards to not function. And technically it fixed five server crashes and a server deadlock. I haven't really experienced uh, the server crashes or deadlock, honestly. It's actually been going really smooth for me. And last night's org night, again, there was 10 of us, so we grouped up in the lobby. That usually puts us in a low pop server. Um, it was smooth. We did not have any server issues last night other than, other than two or three people coming and wiping out our entire party. Go listen to that episode if you're curious. <laughs> All right, jump town. Uh, here we go. So new jump city. Here we go. Let, I'm just going to read it. Brand new. Hot off the press. I have not pre-read this going into this episode. So here we go. If you're from around here, you've no doubt heard about Jump Town. Local legend tells of the infamous hidden drug lab on the icy moon of Yella and the bloody conflicts that raged there as local factions vied to control its production or its fate. Now, years later, more drug labs have been uncovered in various locations around the Stanton system, and this time, the firefights will be deadlier, the spoils richer, and the stakes higher than ever before. In 2019, the Star Citizen community discovered a lucrative drug lab on the surface of Crusader's moon Yella. What followed was completely unplanned and surprised everyone, including our development team. Tens of thousands of players flocked to the outpost, with split motives in mind, eager outlaws and less than scrupulous organizations rushed to acquire and sell this newfound illicit treasure trove at any cost, while more lawful groups chose to lock down the station in a bid to prevent further criminal activity. This clash resulted in a perpetual tug-of-war between far-flung factions and homegrown heroes over control of the outpost. You never knew which you'd find when approaching Jumptown, which only the most dedicated could locate since it wasn't easily pinpointed on standard issue maps. 
These events were so profound, they ended up becoming official canon in the Star Citizen's lore, a prime example of players' actions shaping the future of the verse forever. Originally released in Star Citizen Alpha 316, this event inspired by the original Jumptown Wars is back with all new improvements that will challenge you like never before. Read on for more details about what to expect and be sure to outfit your force for the impending mayhem. New locations. Jumptown has expanded with the addition of a fourth PvP location in Alpha 322 Rex and Riches, Rex 2 Riches, designed for more Battle Royale style combat. The drug lab for Hurston is located on an island, which makes it difficult for players to land their ships, while the thick atmosphere on Hurston make air combat challenging. I love that. Absolutely love that. The new Daymar location offers a clear view for snipers and attackers. Paradise Cove has moved to Walla and has a large mountain offering some protection from bombers, uh, offering some protection from bombers and other aerial threats. Raven's Roost on Microtech now has a drug lab hidden in the mountains with trees and snowstorms, encouraging combat on foot or using light ground vehicles. Multiple points of contention. The Scofflaws, Scofflaws, it's a new word, and Scalawags of Stanton are getting wiser, rotating their locations of their automated drug production operations. Jumptown is but one of these facilities, so keep an eye on your mission manager for the up-to-date locations, such as Raven's Roost, Paradise Cove, and Echo Island. So there you have it. Um, let's get into, I guess we haven't done this in a while, so how to get started, um, it's in general right so in your contract manager go to general go to priority it's not personal go to priority it's called confiscate contraband and accept the offer so there you go how do you get started um <clears throat> well okay correction if you do want to go the unlawful route that is in personal so general tab for lawful personal tab for unlawful Alrighty, let's go through the schedule. So this is December 22nd through January 2nd, right? So Jumptown schedule, Alpha 322. Um, each time list represents a location change and each location runs approximately 15 hours, one five, 15 hours. So there you have it. December 22nd through January 2nd, they change at 10 a.m. Central. Every single morning, 10 a.m. Central. Jumptown ships and vehicles. I always love this. So they're releasing 19 vehicles or they're ensuring that the pledge store has these 19 vehicles available for you. So we have the A1 Spirits, the A2 Hercules, the Ares Inferno, Ares Ion, the Ballista. It's a ground vehicle torpedo launcher. The C2 Hercules, the C8R Pisces, which still is a, one of my most recommended ships under $100. C8R Pisces. Let's go. Centurion. The Corsair, the Cutlass Steel, the Cyclone Alpha Alpha, the Cyclone MT, the M2 Hercules, the Nova, the Prowler, the Spartan, the Storm, which I still need to get the Storm, guys. Like, I, I am slacking. I want myself a Storm. All right. The Storm Alpha Alpha, which is probably what I'm going to get, which is probably what I'm going to end up getting. The Storm Alpha Alpha is the one with like a million freaking missiles on it. And last, the Valkyrie, which is the best um, dropship in the game, in my opinion. So there you have it. 
Jump Town. Um, I will probably give Jump Town a try with my organization. In fact, that's that's a really good call for next uh, org night. Next org night might be. Um, but it's Thursday on Christmas week. I probably shouldn't be making these decisions live on podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll figure that piece out, but we were going to explore the new derelict sites on Hurston next Thursday, but Jump Town might be more up our alley. Stand by. All right, last segment, everybody. Here we go. Let's get into the Galactopedia update, our lore section or segment for today's episode. Here we go. It is time to make fun of the way I pronounce words. Everyone's favorite segment. <laughs> I will try to to get by. Um, I don't know. Here we go. If you're a clipper, if you like to clip video, or if you like to uh, take audio recordings, now is the time to get ready. This is going to suck because there's a lot of apostrophes on this screen. Here we go. <laughs> the Ark, the Tyak system. Welcome to this month's Galactopedia update roundup. This month, we visit the Tyal and Hyoten systems. Meet the co-discoverers of the Kaipua Hyoten jump point, learn about the Central Core Bank, and carefully greet the Drop Kings. Join the Spectrum thread for any discussion or feedback. So this first one is the Stanton system. I mean, I think we're all very familiar with the Stanton system, but it's the long article for the day and one that I do think we should absolutely read verbatim. A lot of people don't know the history or lore of the stand system and you're playing in it every day so here we go the stand system let me clear my throat real quick <clears throat> okay here we go the stand system is a planetary system in the uee discovered in standard earth year 2851 by nav jumper toshi Aaron. It is one of only two fully colonized systems in the UEE and is made up of three super-Earths, a gas giant, an asteroid belt, and a G-type star. All planets in the system were sold by the UEE government to four major corporations soon after their discovery. While inhabitants are protected under UEE common laws, they are also subject to rules imposed by the individual corporations that own each planet. Planetary System the system's star, Stanton, is a G-type main-sequence star about the same size as Sol and is roughly 4.6 billion years old. Its three terrestrial planets, Hurton, uh, Hurston, Arcorp, Microtech, all sit in the system's green band and were terraformed to support human life, unique among gas, pla uh, gas planets. Our gas giants, Crusader, has a nitrogen-oxygen upper atmosphere and a natural ecosystem made up of plants and animals that live their entire lives in midair. A dense asteroid belt sits between Arcorp and Crusader. Let me read that again. I think that's super interesting. Crusader has a nitrogen-oxygen upper atmosphere and a natural ecosystem made up of plants in animals that live their entire lives in mid-air. So at Citizen Con, we saw the uh, the video of the space wells. That's going to be phenomenal. Can't wait for that. Plants living in mid-air. That could just be a reference to what's grown on the platforms, or it could be something we've never seen before. 
I don't know why I'm like hung up on that. That's super interesting to me. Back to the article, Discovery. In 2851, nav jumper Toshi Aaron was scanning for anomalies in the outskirts of the Magnus system. She had spent the last decade trying to fulfill her dream discovering a jump point, spending as much time as she could in pursuit. A week before her 49th birthday, she detected a strange signal. She noted the location, recorded all the data she could, and headed home to analyze what it could mean. All signs pointed to the likelihood that she had indeed found what she'd been looking for. A few days later, with a ship fully equipped to make the leap, she returned to the location and entered the jump tunnel. After a few harrowing moments traversing inner space, she found herself on the other side. History Aaron's discovery made waves in the UEE government. Not only were all the planets in the system located within the Green Band, but when UEE Pathfinders surveyed the system, they found a jump point that connected Stanton to Terra. The UEE immediately claimed the system and dispatched naval engineers to determine what would be needed to make the three terrestrial planets habitable. Their eventual report brought bad news. The funds required to terraform these planets would be far more than the then cash-strapped government had available to them. While officials debated what to do, they gave the Navy authorization to construct a shipbuilding latticework on Stanton II's upper atmosphere, and allowed engineers to begin preliminary terraforming activity on the other planets. By 2865, the UEE Senate, facing a potentially recession-causing budget shortfall, announced that it would be selling each of the planets in the system to the the highest bidders. Multiple mega corporations reached out to or were contacted by the UEE government. After a long period of closed door negotiations, four corporations emerged victorious. Hurston Dynamics, who purchased Stanton One and began major mining operations at once. Crusader Industries, who claimed Stanton Two and its skeletal shipyards for the construction of their Starliners. Art Corp, who immediately began developing Stanton III to support their diverse industries, and Microtech, who considered the Stanton IV's rigid, uh, frigid climate as beneficial for cooling their extensive network of servers. Culture. In essence, the Stanton system is an enormous business park. While all who reside within it are protected under the UEE common laws, the enforcement of these laws is left up to the private security forces each corporation employs. Nearly everyone in Stanton works for one of the four corporations, or for companies that lease land or office space from them. As such, each planet is operated according to the business practices of its particular company. On Hurston, for example, Hurston Dynamics' lax environmental policy has led to a polluted atmosphere and a low quality of life for its people. Conversely, Crusader Industries' commitment to design, uh, to design has transformed the once sparse Navy shipbuilding platforms into beautiful, live workspaces lined with flowering trees. The leaders of Hurston Dynamics, Crusader Industries, Art Corp, and Microtech hold the Stanton System co uh, Conference once a year to discuss system-wide issues. Commonly discussed topics include regulations on imports and exports, who has jurisdiction over what parts of the Air and Halo, or the Stanton Belt Alpha, and strategies to deal with criminal activity. End of article. So I, I think it's, it's uh, the antithesis of Pyro, 
or the or pyro is the antithesis of stanton so where you have like the uee governing body you've got each planet system with their own security their own kind of law pyro is without all of it there's like gang related understandings in pyro but there's no law structure in pyro so i think the release of pyro next year is going to be perfect it's going to play into the other half of the gaming population that uh, that system or that lack of system speaks to um it, it it's perfect right so we have a like they said a corporate playground of stanton to a lawless gang related pyro i can't wait that's gonna be it's gonna be amazing okay time to make fun of me <clears throat> I don't know any of these. I, I I can't say any of these names. So are the Cory the Cory Leah. Let's do the Cory Leah um, in this first one. We're gonna call it the 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 Rila Five. So Rila Five uh, originally filled with barracks for soldiers and support staff that worked and trained on neighboring planet Rila Four. The city was reclassified as a residential zone by the Xi'an government after the end of the Xi'an Human Cold War. It was additionally open to non-Xi'an and has become a center of culture exchange where Banu, Human, and Tavaran intermingle with the Xi'an populace. Surrounded by dense tropical rainforests, it is lushly vegetated and stays warm throughout the year. I think this is, uh, first off, it's a city. It's a city on uh, Xi, or Rila 5. I love reading these because it gives us a sense of what to expect aesthetically or cosmetically, right? Like that last sentence, surrounded by dense tropical rainforests. I think with the increase of trees and microtech, we can see what a dense forest can look like. Now let's see a tropical rainforest. What, what does a tropical rainforest look like in Star Citizen? That's super interesting, and I love I love just the idea of kind of working through that. All right, what's this next one? This next one is also a city, the the Yeti, Yeti on Rila Four. Yeti is a major city on Rila Four, the Xi'an Empire. <clears throat> A center of commerce and industry, the city was once a military manufacturing center, but was redeveloped after the end of the Xi'an Human Cold War. Multiple human-owned corporations and Banu Solis operate in Yeti to facilitate easy trade with the Xi'an Empire. To continue to encourage economic development, the Xi'an government offers tax breaks to any major house willing to establish operations in Yeti. We're going to go quickly here. The Tau system. The Tau system is a planetary system in the Xi'an Empire that consists of an A-type main sequence star, one mesoplanet, four terrestrial rocky planets, one super Earth. Wow, the screen just changed on me. One super Earth and one gas giant, designated as a production system by the Xi'an government. Each habitable planet has been zoned to handle a different type of economic activity. It is a major center of trade between the Xi'an Empire and the United Empire of Earth, UE, who were first notified of its existence in Standard Earth Year 2789 after the signing of the Akari Kray Treaty. In addition to their appointed functions, the populated planets of Tal, Tail, tail, mm. tail were assigned distinct colors to incorporate into their architecture, giving each settlement a unified appearance that can be overwhelming the first uh, to first time visitors. Keep going. Here is the Yome. 
the Yome Tali. The Yome is the first planet from the sun of the Tau system, Xi'an Empire. A mesoplanet that closely orbits its star. It is pock, pockmarked, pockmarked? Uh, with craters from countless mining probes that were dispatched to survey the planet for potentially valuable resources. While little has been found so far, raw materials are in such high demand from Tal's inhabited planets that missions to find heretofore undiscovered minerals are frequent. The atmosphere of Yome is dense enough that heat uh, mirage, mirages can be observed rising from its surface during the day. So uh, here we go. The aesthetic or the cosmetic here that I'm getting is the heat mirages being observed from its surface during the day. Again, I think uh, anything is, I love this game so much. Any Anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. But again, the moment that they release a water planet, I'm done. I'm not doing a damn thing on that water planet. It's not happening. All right, here we go. Yellow planet. The oil, the oil zaw, oil zaw. Uh, the oil zaw is the second planet from the sun of the Tal system, Xi'an Empire. The technological heart of Tal. Its government assigned function is to fabricate spacecraft from large-scale ships to advanced ship components to avionics software. It is densely populated, and the constant influx of resources and outflow of products makes it the most frequently visited planet in the system. Its yellow accented architecture has earned it the nickname The Hive from human visitors. Famed musician Sindo Guerrero's record-breaking hit song Sunkissed was inspired by the buildings of Oilza. Oilsha. It's Xi'an Empire, so maybe it's Oilsha. Maybe. Um, again, the lore is so deep in this game. There's evidently a famed musician writing a breaking hit song called Sunkist. Why not? Violet Planet. Here we go. The Lungxi. Good God. The, the Lungxi is the third planet from the sun of the Tao system, Xi'an Empire, dedicated to the production of food and textiles. Its vibrant culinary and fashion scenes draw a steady stream of visitors to the planet. High-end dining establishments on Longxie craft intricate culinary creations that can be sampled nowhere else, all sourced from the myriad farms that cover the lush countryside. The textiles produced in Longxie's violet-accented cities inform trends across both the Xi'an Empire and the United Empire of Earth. Keep going. Green Planet. I'm just going to call it Green Planet. Hell. <laughs> um, the Ligxiao. The Li Shale is the fourth planet from the sun of the Tau system. Naturally habitable, the acid already present, uh, the already present in Li Xiao's atmosphere convinced officials to make it the home of processing facilities, refineries, and other pollution-causing infrastructure. Xi'an employed as haulers and refinery workers make up a large percentage of the population. Although it is the least visited planet in Tal, the working-class food stalls that can be found outside nearly all the planet's green-tinted factories attract tourists seeking Xi'an street fare. Riol, hey, this one... 
This one's easy. The Riol is the fifth planet from the sun of the Tal system, Shan Empire, a center of product manufacturing. Its most prominent economic activity is the construction of weapons. The Xi'an military maintains a strong presence on Riol, simultaneously protecting sensitive information pertaining to arms development and enforcing order. All buildings on the planet sport orange accents, giving them a fiery appearance and correct lighting conditions. Uh, Chway, Chwayton, Chwayton, Chwayton. Uh, let's go with Shwayton. Shwayton is the sixth planet from the sun of the Tal system, Xi'an Empire. Uninhabitable by rich in resources, its mineral deposits have historically helped to support all the system's industries. In the early 30th century, its mining operations began to report sharply dwindling takes, leading to an economic slowdown that came dangerously close to causing a system-wide recession. Multiple industries in Tal now rely largely on imports to continue functioning. We're about halfway through. Halfway through. These are short articles, so they go pretty quickly. The Q now. The Q now is the outermost planet from the sun of the Tau system, Xi'an Empire. A gas giant, uh, as a gas giant, it has four thick bands of yellow, violet, green, and orange clouds that flow across its prismatic atmosphere. It sounds beautiful. The Qunao's appearance informed the Xi'an government's decision to give each of the inhabited planets in Tal a specific color to incorporate into its architecture. That is a cool concept. I actually really like that. So we're getting into our second system uh, of, the, uh, of the stream or of the podcast. And we'll see if this loads. The Hyoten system. The Hyoten system is a planetary system in the Xi'an Empire that consists of an F-type main sequence star, four terrestrial planets, and a super-Earth, the birthplace of the Xi'an people. It is the center of political power in the Xi'an Empire. The Kaua, or Hyoten IV, the present capital, is seat of the emperor, and the jungle world Tethla, it almost looks like Tesla, Tethla-a, is the home of some of its most powerful houses. The former Xi'an capital and homeworld of the Xi'an, the Ryu Xi'an, good God, this is where I'm going to say the Hyoten Three, done, was abandoned in the last days of the Great Divide when an assassination attempt perpetrated by House Kyo inadvertently set off a chain reaction that rendered the atmosphere toxic. Goodness. Okay. Hyoten 1, <laughs> uh, Tethyang, Hyoten 1, is the first planet from the sun of the Hyoten uh, system. Given the name Fireworld by ancient Xi'an astronomers, the soil of Tethyang's surface is deep rust in color, making the planet appear to be a red star when observed from the surface of the Xi'an homeworld, Ria Xi'an. It is associated with joy and abundance in, uh, in Xi'an myth, and was thought to aid in the quality of fermentation. Pictograms of Tethying, traditionally drawn as a nine-pointed star, are still used to decorate fermentation vessels. Why do I feel like that's going to be a uh, like a a question that Jake asks at a bar citizen? What is the pictogram of the Tethying? It's a nine-pointed star. Just remember that. You heard that here first. <laughs> Tethla. 
Tethla Hayotin 2 is the second planet from the sun of the Hayotin system, Xi'an Empire. From the surface of the Xi'an homeworld, Ria Xi'an, it is the brightest star in the sky. It was associated with the intelligence and clarity of thought in ancient Xi'an myths. The second world to be successfully terraformed by the Xi'an, it has a hot and humid climate that supports a vibrant ecosystem. The area around the equator is especially sweltering, and as a result is less populated than the more temperate regions beyond the tropics. The still very hot climate in these areas is nearly identical to that of the Riaxian before it was rendered uninhabitable at the end of the Great Divide, and is seen as a very desirable place to reside. Many ancient and prestigious houses maintain seats of power on Tethla. Alright, the homeworld of the Xi'an, the Ri-Xi'an, the Ri-Xi'an, is the third planet from the sun of the Hayun system, Xi'an Empire and is the home world of Xi'an people. Once a lush world teeming with life, its atmosphere was accidentally tainted with poison by House Klo. Kyo or Klo. During an assassination attempt gone awry, killing millions and forcing its remaining inhabitants to flee to the nearby colony world, the Kaua. This event abruptly ended the ongoing civil war and forced the Xi'an to reassess their culture. Now classified as a smog planet, Ri Xi'an has resisted all terraformation attempts and little life remains beneath its toxic clouds. Alright, like six more articles. The Kaua. Ka, the Kaua Hayotan 4 is the fourth planet from the sun in the Hayotan system, Xi'an Empire. The heart of the Xi'an government, it is the home of the emperor and the imperial houses council of three and is the nerve center of the civil service. Originally uninhabitable, it was the first world chosen to be terraformed by the Xi'an, partially due to its association with good luck and harmony in ancient Xi'an mythology. It played a vital role as a refuge for the Xi'an population when they were forced to flee their original homeworld, Ria Xi'an, at the end of the Great Divide. All right, almost, almost there. All right, the Tethtom, Tethtame, the Tethtom Hyoten uh, Five is the furthest planet from the sun in the Hyoten system, Xi'an Empire. An orange and cream-colored gas giant, it has an atmosphere of hydrogen and helium, and is the main source of fuel in Hyoten. It symbolized emptiness and time, and uh, time in ancient Xi'an mythology, and came to be associated with Litova after the philosophy was encoded into imperial law at the beginning of the first imperial age. Tethtom, Tethtame, is orbited by Litova Temple, by a Litova Temple, and was made with a large viewpoint uh, that always faces the planet. The rest should be a little bit easier, maybe, maybe not. The Ahmad Harar. The Ahmad Harar was a pilot, or this is, a, this is an individual, Ahmad Harar was a pilot and lieutenant in the UEE Navy, best known for discovering the Kaipua Horus jump point alongside fellow Starman Carl Dyson. In standard Earth year 2617, Harar was patrolling the Horus system with his gunner Lieutenant Dyson when they detected a gravitational anomaly that they determined to be a jump point after hours of analysis. Harar convinced Dyson to navigate it instead of reporting it to headquarters arguing that this was their chance to earn a place in history. However, when they exited the jump point, they found themselves in a Xi'an-controlled system and were quickly captured. 
Harar and Dyson were held captive and interrogated by the Xi'an government for three full days. They finally convinced their captors that the rest of the human military was unaware of the jump point and were returned to Horus and told to transmit the message that any UEE vessel spotted in Kaipua would be attacked on sight. Harar was reprimanded for failing to report his discovery to his commander and accepted a demotion. He went on to serve for 30 more years and retired as a captain in 2647. Carl Dyson was a gunner and lieutenant in the UEE Navy and musician best known for discovering the Kaipoa Horus jump point alongside fellow starman Ahmad Karar. Harar. In standard Earth year 2617, he and his pilot, Lieutenant Harar, were patrolling the Horus system when they detected a gravitational anomaly. After a long period of analysis, their ship's computer determined that this was likely to be a jump point. That's kind of repetitive. Dyson wanted to alert his commanding officer, but Harar convinced him to navigate the jump point before doing so, thus ensuring that they would earn a place in history. On the other side, however, their ship was immediately disabled, and the two starmen were captured by the Xi'an military. They spent three days being interrogated and eventually managed to convince their captors that the UE Navy knew nothing about the jump point. Dyson and Harar were returned to the Horus system with a message, any UEE vessel spotted in Kaipoa in the future would be shot on sight. Dyson was reprimanded for failing to report his discovery to his superiors. Instead of accepting a demotion, Dyson requested and was granted an honorable discharge. He then immigrated to Earth, Sol 3, to pursue his lifelong dream of becoming a musician. His most notable album, Twilight on the Firing Line, earned two Elira Awards. Again, another trivia question I think Jake would ask. What are the Alira Awards? <laughs> it's like a Grammy, I am sure. All right, two more. Central Core Bank and Drop Kings. Let me clear my throat real quick. <coughs> okay, two more. Central Core Bank. The Central Core Bank is the bank that maintains the reserves necessary to financially back the UEC, the United Earth Credit, the official currency of the United Empire of Earth, UEE. It was founded in Standard Earth Year 2528 by experts from various financial markets who were brought in by the UE or the UPE to create and administer monetary policy, conduct foreign exchange operations, and monitor the banking sector. The Central Core Bank is one of the largest financial organizations in the UEE and still oversees the regulations of the UEC. Last article, Drop Kings. All right. I love reading about the gangs. I really, really, really do. It's like a, kind of like a mafia mindset in my mind. I just, it's the way I, it's the way I look at the, uh, the factions in, uh, Star Citizen. All right. Drop Kings. The Drop Kings are a major criminal syndicate that is active in multiple systems across the UEE, founded in 2640s uh, by a group of anti-Messer activists who fled their homes under threat of retaliation from the Messer government. Their earliest record uh, recorded crimes were in the Fora system, where they ran black market goods manufactured on Hyperion to Terra via a route through the Tyrannus system. When they began smuggling goods and people, <laughs> to and from bottom space in the 2690s, they quickly rose to prominence and expanded their network to more systems. In the 2740s, they entered the pyro system and clashed with the fellow smuggling group Headhunters. 
Beginning in 2781, the drop kings abruptly stopped this conflict and began to focus on smuggling goods across the borders of the UEE, leading historians to speculate that they were involved in transporting anti-Messer refugees to Banu and Xi'an territories. They returned to business as usual in 2799 and launched an attack on Ruin Station, ousting the headhunters from power and becoming the de facto rulers of the Pyro system. Control of Pyro passed back and forth between the Drop Kings and the headhunters until 2912, when the Drop Kings became involved in a feud with the Terra-based Rangda Syndicate. Since then, they have dialed back their activities in Pyro, but are known to maintain operations in the Fora. Castra and Elysium systems. Whew, that's a lot of lore. <laughs> uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I actually like, and this is, it maybe sounds like self promoting. I actually love going back and listening to all this because, like, as I'm reading it, I'm basically just regurgitating the words but there's there's gold nuggets in there like close your eyes and listen to the description of the planets like you can see yourself jump pointing if that's a word <laughs> um to these to these systems and just seeing a whole new game it's like basically seeing an entire new game uh without a single load screen in that process <laughs> Hey, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope this finds you well. Uh, we will more than likely have an episode 39 next week. It's it's a couple of days after Christmas, so uh, I can see myself managing kind of an end-of-the-year wrap-up episode. Um, more to come if you follow us on socials. I'll keep you as updated as possible. Uh, for Org Night, we more than likely will do Jump Town. Um, it'll be really exciting to do jump town. If we do, I'll record it on audio and put it as a bonus episode. We'll see how you like, uh, this week's bonus episode. If it catches on, we'll keep doing it. Right. Um, I think it's just a fine nuanced, maybe unique way, um, of getting into podcasting with video games. So let me know, let me know your thoughts. I'll probably put that in a, in a poll at the end of the Spotify, um, uh, our end of this podcast on Spotify. So here we go. If you don't already, you can follow us on all socials at forward slash BTV underscore cast. You can watch our video replay on YouTube at forward slash at BTV underscore cast. And you can become part of the conversation by emailing us. If you want to work with us, email us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com. I hope this finds everybody well. Safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Take care, everybody.